Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you. Well, I can see those of you that are in the room. I can hopefully know that those of you that are online can see me. And uh, I know that we have our online hosts as well. If you don't know what's happening there, we have a one or two people that are online and just greeting people and answering any questions and praying with people if that needs to be done. So welcome home. Welcome home to those of you online. Welcome home to those of you in the room. Welcome home to my mother who is 21 again, again, again uh, today. She is one week older than my father. So my mum has a toy boy. Happy birthday, Mum. <laughs> Miss you. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> so obviously there's changes that are happening this week. I guess the particular change that we're all aware of is the wearing of masks becomes optional, not mandatory. And as I said last week, you know, I just want to reiterate this again. Many people will, and many people won't. People that wear masks don't wear them because they like wearing them. It's not like, oh, it's a fashion accessory now. No, it's not. We all hate it. We just choose to wear them because it helps our health and helps the health of those around us. But now we're moving into a place where we're having to learn to live with COVID and what happens there. And so, can I just simply say, can we be Christians? Can, can we actually live out Christianity the way of Jesus? And the way of Jesus wasn't wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. The way of Jesus was how he interacted with people who were different from his own perspective and his own opinion. You see, some of those that should have been closest to his own perspective and opinion, he held the highest disregard for. And so, with people that have different opinions and different perspectives from us, let's choose the way of Jesus in our interactions. Let's be mature and respectful. Jesus himself said, if someone demands that you carry their bag a mile, which was the law that a Roman, a Roman soldier could demand that a Jewish person carry their bag a mile. Do you know what Jesus said? Hey, do it, but carry it an extra mile. Because the extra mile is what you choose to do. The first mile is what's demanded of you. The extra mile is what you chose to do yourself. So let's be extra mile people. Let's choose whichever our perspective is. Let's choose to carry the bag the extra mile and be mature about it. Romans 12 verse 10 talks about placing honor on others above ourselves. Think more about our responsibilities than our rights. Let's bring it back to being Christ-like, choosing the way of Jesus. Why don't you stand with me as we pray before we get into the word. Father, I thank you that we, that we can gather. I thank you that we can be in this room and that we can be online and we have the capacity and the ability to, to do either of those. But God, I pray that our hearts will be open to what you want to say to us. I pray that my words will be clear. I pray that there will be challenge where challenge is needed and there will be comfort where comfort is needed.
I pray for those that don't know you. Or maybe those that have gone away from you. Or those that feel disconnected from you. That today, something that is done within this hour and a half or so environment that we have together. God, the words of the music. The way that people are welcomed home by our incredible connection team. God, I pray the words that I say will draw people to you and into a closer relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't you grab your seats? So in case some of you over this side of the room wondering what the occasional shout is, that's just Cody agreeing with what I'm saying. Okay, He's one of my biggest fans, and I love that. So if he wants to shout, let him shout. I could do with a bit of encouragement, and I loved hearing him talk at me. So the rest of you want to say, that's good, John. You're standing with Cody, who's with me. <laughs> at our old team night, I told the account of the Turner Oak. And hopefully you'll see, there it is there. It is an incredibly beautiful tree. It's in Kew Gardens in London. And uh, I'm going to talk a bit about it again because I think it's, a, it's just an incredible story. But on the night of the 16th of October, 1987, I was in the middle of Wales in the Brecon Beacons. And I was doing this sort of assessment course for a, a, um, an overseas, not an overseas mission, but... Uh, it was called Operation Rally, and you had the opportunity to go and, and serve and do some humanitarian work. It wasn't a Christian thing, but it was with work. And I was in a tent, and when I use the, say the word tent, I use that in the loosest terms. It was a tarpaulin with some stones and some sticks, and we were crowded, eight of us crowded into this tent. And the winds were hammering against the, the tent, and... What I didn't realize at the time was it was the strongest wind in the history of Britain up until, up until last week. So there were 120 mile an hour winds that night. Last week there were winds of 122 miles an hour. Houses and cars were damaged. Trees were ripped up. In fact, 15 million trees were damaged in that one night just in the UK alone. But there was one particular tree, this tree, changed, it was damaged, it was uprooted, but it changed how trees were cared for across the world. This tree was planted in around about 1770. It was an old tree. But before, before the storm, the Turner Oak was dying. And it was one of those trees that the, the gardeners in Kew Gardens were getting round to chopping down. But they decided to leave it, it was fairly safe, they knew it was dying, and eventually they would get around to cutting it down. And after the storm, they propped it up, and uh, because it, again, it got, it got moved around, so they just propped it up and made it safe, and decided that they would get back to it. And so they went around and, and began to, to shore up the more dangerous trees, and chop them down, and get them sorted out. And after they came back to it, after a while, they realized that there was new growth. They realized that, it, yes, it was damaged, yes, it was uprooted, but it had actually begun to be healthy again. And they worked out that over the years, the soil around the tree 
had become so compacted, so hard, it was literally like concrete, with people just walking around and, and marveling at the beauty of the tree. And they just walk around and over and over again. Thousands upon thousands of people visit Kew Gardens every single week and just walking around the Turner Oak, they compacted this soil down so that no nutrients from the soil could get through to the tree. And what the storm had done, it had lifted the tree. So you can imagine how strong the winds were. It lifted the tree and loosened the soil and set it back down. And just that, that lifting up and settling down had loosened the soil and suddenly health was started coming back to the tree. It started coming back to the tree because the tree roots were able to be connected to good soil. See, healthy connection is absolutely vital. Last, the last year, our goal, our vision that we began to unpack in so many different ways was as one, that simple phrase. Being in alignment with each other, having a, an undivided heart in everything we do, in our giving, in our worship, in, our, in the triumphs and in, in, in the tragedies. But with an undivided heart, we also need an, a healthy heart, and that's what our focus is for this year. We want to be healthy, not just sick. And it feels like we spent two years trying not to get sick, that we've forgotten that we also need to be healthy. And so it's time for us as church and as individuals to be healthy again. Healthy disciples, healthy community, healthy organization. And we want to be healthy in four areas. We want to be healthy relationally with each other, spiritually with God, financially with, the, with our money and what we do with that, with our resources. And then also healthy physically and mentally. We want to be healthy. We don't just want to be not sick anymore. Last week I talked about healthy church and today I actually want to talk about how I, how you as an individual can be healthy, but actually they are so inextricably linked together that you can't separate them because health comes from what we are connected to. And we need to stay, to stay healthy, we need to stay connected to what is healthy. So what does a healthy disciple look like? To be honest, I want to unpack this over, a, over many, many weeks. And so I just want to throw out a couple of thoughts now and, and then look at how we can be healthy. You see, a health, healthy disciple is someone that's growing to be more like Christ. It says that we're being changed from glory into glory. That as we, as we spend more time with Jesus, there's an internal change that happens within us. But as we grow more like Christ, we, we begin to bring the good news like he did. So there's an internal heart change. But then as we bring the good news, there's the rescue of humanity. Not, not legislating for governmental change but actually rescuing humanity one person at a time. So there's an internal change that happens in us, but there's also an external change that happens around us. That's what a healthy disciple looks like. 
We also see from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 that the Holy Spirit is shown in us as well. The, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is shown. And people will see that outworked in our lives. It's not just this thing that, we oh, I love people more. Actually, people will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all interaction fruit. People, people won't know that you're patient unless you're in a situation where everything within you causes you to be impatient. You know when that driver gets in the car in the full car park? And they sit there and they... Costco... Costco petrol, I was in there Friday and the queue was going right out and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking that person's got in the car why are they just sat there doing nothing when they could be driving away, the next car could be moving up and I'm getting het up knowing that I'm preaching on the fruit of the spirit but you see everything within me was causing, wanting to be impatient, how do I know that the fruit of the Spirit is growing in me? Because God will often put us in those situations where we have the opportunity to be kind or unkind. Where we have the opportunity to lose self-control or have self-control. It's not just this nice ethereal thing, it is behavioral interaction with each other. A few days ago, Pastor Dave made this comment and, and it just really helped me understand but also sort of formulate some stuff around this stuff and he just made this simple comment about our health focus and he just said, do you know what health is done in community? Like, that's it. I find it so much easier. Yes, I can train by myself, but we started training here on a lunchtime, and, and there's Austin trains, and Amanda trains, and Paul trains, and Justin occasionally trains. And, but he health is so much easier when you're doing it with someone else. And when we talk about spiritual health, it's done in community. So how do we become, and how do we stay healthy? Well, when you look at our physical health, health is about input and about output. What goes into your body is what we eat. But then we also have to, what do we do with what we eat? The energy that's created, how do we expend that energy? There's an input, but then there's an output. And both of them help us be and stay healthy. What goes in and what we do with what goes in. To be healthy spiritually. What goes in? The Word of God goes in. A Holy Spirit-filled and be, being-filled life. Our communication with God, yes, it's, a, it's an expression, it's going out, but actually it's a communication between us and God. It changes us internally. So there's something happening internally, something going in. We become more like Jesus. That's the, the input into our life. But then there's the output, our mission, what we, were, we were created with purpose to show the love of Jesus to the world, to bring the good news, to bring transformation of humanity. And so we become more like Jesus internally, but then we begin to reflect him externally. And what I would say is, in every aspect of life, 
in terms of health, relational, spiritual, financial, physical. It's not a one-off moment. It's a process over a lifetime. Habits applied over and over in the right direction. Routine and discipline. The Bible calls this faithfulness. See, it's just faithfulness. We can over-spiritualize it, but it's just what we do in our routine over and over again over a period of time. And so healthy discipleship is done within church community. That's not just attending a meeting together. Anyone heard of Keith Green? Yeah, you're all showing your age when you put your hand up there, I tell you. Keith, I love Keith Green. Incredible songwriter, died so tragically many years ago. But I'm going to slightly misquote him if I can. One of, the, one of his famous quotes was, going to church doesn't make you a disciple or a Christian, he said, but I'm going to misquote him. Going to church doesn't make you a disciple any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Can I bring it into our Canadian context? Going to watch the Oilers does not make me a hockey player. It just makes me a spectator. You see, doing health in community is about being relationally connected. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12 to 26, is a, it's a long passage of Scripture, but it talks about one body. I want to encourage you, take this down, go away, read it. One body, we're having concern for each other, we're joined together, we're functioning together, we're honoring together, we're needing together, we're rejoicing together, and we're suffering together. When one part suffers, all suffers. When one part, have you ever stubbed your little toe? Stood on a Lego brick or a plug? You see, I don't, want it, I don't think it's quite as bad here. Actually, it may be as bad, but plugs sit nicely on the end, and the three prongs sit up beautifully in the dark. Have you noticed that? And they, they almost call out, and it's like a magnet. And you stand on a plug, and it's not just your foot that hurts. It's every single part of your body hurts at that moment. That's what the body of Christ is like. See, when our Ukrainian brothers and sisters are hurting, I should feel it deeply. I'm British. But I feel it deeply for them. Health comes from what we are connected to. And this is just the, what I really want to talk about over the next couple of moments. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. It's quite a long passage of Scripture, but I want to read it. It's John 15, 1 to 12. So stay with me on this one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Have you noticed that whether you're fruitful or unfruitful, you get cut? I'm not going to talk about that at the moment, but it's an interesting concept, and it feels the same whether you're cut off or just pruned. You're still cut. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This is the word I want you to think about. Remain. Remain in me. Or another version says abide. Remain in me all, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That word abide or remain there is the Greek or Aramaic word meno. It means to stay in relationship with, be connected to, to continue, to endure, to be held, to be kept continually. And in this simple passage of Scripture, it's used 11 times. It's used more times in this passage of Scripture than nearly every other book apart from one book. And that other book is 1 John. See, John wanted to get a message across because he wrote John and 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And he wanted to get a a message across. What do you think it is? Remain. Abide. Stay continually. Be faithful. Don't go away. See, health doesn't come from eating kale once. I ate kale once. I hated it, so I don't have to do it again. Health comes from what we are connected to and what we stay connected to. Jesus told us that everything hangs on loving God and loving people. We remain in Christ and we, and we remain connected to people, to each other. John was emphasizing both in, in the Gospel of John and the letter of John that Jesus wanted us to continue in relationship with him and out of that connection with him we would then be enabled to love each other to remain connected so we abide in him this last season in many ways has been the storm that's disrupted our soil but for many of us i think the busyness of life and particularly at the beginning we looked at our lives did we not And we realized we were so busy trying to do things, maybe trying to accumulate, maybe trying to do better in education or in our work, that we re-looked at our life and thought, is this right? You see, the busyness of our life was so compacted down that many of us were not getting the nutrients that we needed. We were slowly dying and many of us didn't know it. And maybe the storm of COVID Yes, I realize that this may seem callous, but many people in this room have had loss from COVID. But For some of us, it's actually been a good thing because it's uprooted the tree of our lives, enabled us to abide and connect in a way that has caused life to flow back in a healthy way. John 
He's saying remain, abide, continue in, endure, be faithful in your connections with each other. In the Old Testament, Psalm 92 says this, the righteous will flourish. The righteous, just so you know, are not, it's not about doing all the right things and not doing the wrong things. Righteous means those that are connected, that are in right relationship. So those that are in right relationship will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of our Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. The spirit of Shrek is alive and well in the church. That was just a little joke. I was hoping that you might laugh with me, near me, around me, somewhere with me, just to know. I know my humor is terrible at times, but humor me and laugh somewhere in the vicinity of me. They will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. It's talking about flourishing. Those that are planted, whose roots go down deep, who draw nutrients from the soil, those that are planted where in the house of God will flourish. That word flourish means to grow, to prosper, to bear fruit, to spread your wings and fly, to break into bud, to be healthy. Those that are planted in the community of God will flourish. They will be healthy, planted in the house, flourishing in young and older age, bearing fruit, planted for others and with others. As we're planted in the house of God, as we, as we make our roots and put our roots down in the house of God, Psalm 84 says that we affect our environment. 84 verses 4 to 6, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that word Baca or that place of Baca means the place of tears or it could be a place of dryness. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. You see, as we are planted in the house of God, we begin to change the environment around us. We begin to transform humanity. A place of weeping becomes a place of growth and joy. It's interesting, the two trees that are used, the palm tree, the date palm. The date palm has no waste on it. The fiber from the tree is used for ropes. The leaves and twigs are used as sieves and baskets. The trunk is used for beams to build habitats. The leaves are used for thatching on those roofs. And the fruit is eaten. An incredible tree that grows in the desert. It's a desert tree, but it always plants itself near to water. And because it does that, it can withstand storms and heat. You see, if we're planted in the house, everything about our, our life is useful. You may look at your life and you may look at some of your past and you may be either ashamed of it 
or, or, or live with regret or be, be scarred by it. And God says, no, no, I can redeem your past. Everything about your life is useful. Every bit of it, even when you've been hurt by others, even when you've hurt others, I can redeem that. I can make that part of your story. I can make that part of my story. But as it's planted, as it's near water, the circumstances, the heat of life, it can withstand it. Many of you know that the palm leaves are a symbol of victory. It's one of the things that they laid down as Jesus came into the city. He came in on a donkey into the city of Jerusalem and we'll be celebrating that on Palm Sunday but they laid down leaves and they put down their coats as a king comes into the city a symbol of victory but then it talks about the cedar of Lebanon a completely different tree and the cedar of Lebanon was known as a place of safety did you know that the sawdust from a cedar tree actually keeps away snakes they would take the sawdust and spread it around a camp to keep away snakes the cedar of Lebanon brings and was a symbol of prosperity. It was a place of strength. It was an incredibly beautiful tree. Those two trees that symbolize our lives as we're planted in the house of God, our lives become a place of beauty, a place of strength, a place of safety, a place of prosperity. So to be healthy, we need to be planted in the house of God and abide in Jesus. And the outworking of that is fruitfulness. See, we, we don't have to work hard at being fruitful. We have to work hard at being healthy. And the natural byproduct of health is fruitfulness. It comes from doing the same thing, the right things, the healthy things over and over again. Being faithful and fruit comes out of that. The transformation of the community around us is some of the fruit. The people in my world, we begin to see change little by little. When we're faithful and disciplined, we bear fruit. What do we bear? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The internal changes begin to be seen by the people in our world. Being healthy comes from what we do continually. Also, a word of warning. Being unhealthy comes from what we do continually and with routine. It's not the discipline that helps or hinders our health. It is what we are disciplined in that helps or hinders our health. I, I can be very disciplined in my couch sitting and my poutine eating. In fact, I have been disciplined in my poutine eating. I can be very disciplined in my reading the fear-generating news reports and social media. I can be very disciplined in my unplanned and unbudgeted spending. I can be very disciplined in my toxic and unhealthy relationships. Or I can be disciplined in my reading of the Word of God and spending time in prayer so that my faith is built and fear is disabled. I can be very disciplined in my regular exercise and eating food that is good for me, but not kale, by the way, just in case. I can be very disciplined in choosing friendships that challenge me to be better and lead me closer to Jesus. 
I can be very disciplined in budgeting my spending well and preparing so that I have margins for the pleasures of life and for generosity. Being disciplined and faithful in health can cause discomfort. That's probably just what I, sh I should have said trigger warning there, shouldn't I? At this moment in time, I won't go into details, but all around here hurts. I did squats on Friday, and I also did bench press, so all across here hurts as well. You see, when we become healthy, it can be uncomfortable for us because we're entering into new things, because we're doing things that make us uncomfortable. And at times, it means denying what I want in the moment so that I can have or be who I want to be in the long term. And the last two years have disrupted our gatherings due, due to health necessity. And can I just speak for a moment to those of you that are online? Can I encourage you? It's time to come back in the room. We, we love our ability to be online and reach people. Some of you are in this room and some of you are online that would never have been connected but are connected through technology. When staying connected physically was not possible or permissible, but if we just watch each other through the screen, how can we experience and show love to each other, joy with each other, be at peace with each other, extend patience to each other, be kind when unkind, being unkind is the easiest option, be generous and receive generosity. Show faithfulness, be gentle, and remain self-controlled. Being a healthy disciple means that we also are called to disciple others in the way of Jesus. And that needs to be done within a tactile, or best done, within a tactile, authentic community. Being in the room together. It's time to be with people if I could encourage you to do that. Being together in the presence of God and in the presence of each other. Why? Because healthy disciples make healthy churches. And healthy churches grow healthy disciples. Our health is not just there for personal growth. Can I say that? Yes, we, we want to grow and be more like Jesus. But there's also the mission. Can you throw up the picture? Obviously, that's me there on the, uh, on the right. There's a big difference between these two people. Both are strong. One has obviously, Arnold has much bigger muscles than the young guy from Sri Lanka. But one has strength for show, and the other one has strength for purpose. The world our world. Our Saskatoon community and city needs healthy disciples planted in a healthy church who have strength, not just for show, but for purpose. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that we will be challenged about our own lives, about our own health, God, I pray that this won't be just a guilt trip, 
and not even a guilt trip. But God, I pray that we will be challenged to be in your presence and in the presence of each other. Challenged to love each other more in the same way that you loved us because we're abiding in you and your life, your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your kindness, your long-suffering, your gentleness, your peace, your joy flows through us. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd love everyone just for a moment to keep their heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to put out a challenge to three groups of people. The first group, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. That's a a term that we Christians use. It didn't come from Christianity, but it's a term that we've adopted. Lord and Savior, you save me, and I give you control of my life. But today... You know that today is the day when you need to make that decision to say, Jesus, I want to know your love, your forgiveness, your hope, your life. I want to be connected to you. Maybe you're here and you've been in a position of being in the family, but you've gone away. Not just because of a couple of things wrong you've done this week, but you've gone away from family, like the prodigal son and God is saying, come home. I'm waiting here, not with a big stick, but with open arms. And you're saying, God, I want to come home. Or maybe you're a young person that's grown up in church. And your your faith relationship with God was always based on your caregivers, maybe your parents, under their umbrella. But God is saying, I want to know you. And whether you're in the room or online, the challenge goes out to everyone in this place to say, will you accept Jesus? Will you accept him? Will you accept his love, his grace, his forgiveness? Will you accept forgiveness from the past, life in the present, and a hope for your future? I'm going to ask you to do something really simple. In the room or online. If you're in the room, I'm going to ask you to just simply in a moment put your hand in the air. If you're online, There's a button that you can press which just acknowledges, yes, that's me. The raise your hand button. and I'd love to pray with you. And so if you're in the room right now, stick your hand in the air to say, yeah, that's me. I want to know this Jesus. I want forgiveness from my past, life in the present, and a hope for my future. You're saying yes to Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, can I encourage you, you need to be praying right now. And disengage. This is one of the most important moments in the service. And you need to be fully engaged, fully praying. So if there's people saying yes to Jesus, whether in the room or online, I want to encourage you, raise your hand, and then we're going to pray together. Okay. I'm going to say a simple prayer. And if you put your hand up, whether in the room or online, I want to encourage you, just say this prayer along with me, maybe in your heart. If you want to say it out loud, then do that as well. And at the end of that prayer, we are going to celebrate the decision that you have made. So come on, let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I want to be fully connected to you. I want your life to be given to my life. 
I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I choose to make you my Lord and my Savior. From this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ. Amen. Come on, church, why don't we celebrate?